guys, this is Leva Bates. This is Rich Bokini. This is Steve Young. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. E-F-F-Y-F-E. This is Holiday. This is El Serpentigo. The princess of pro wrestling, SoCalVal. And we are the Ugly Ducklings. And you are listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole wrestling show. And now... The wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole refin show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would have to be the whole refin show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And I want to welcome everyone, uh, including you, Darren, to episode one, two, three. You know, it's easy as one, two, three. Uh, simple as do re me. That's what they say. Uh, episode one, twenty three of the whole ref and show coming at you right now, folks. And this episode, you know, typically we follow a format. You know, typically you get some headlines, or as Darren likes to call them, headlines. That's right. Uh, and then we typically go into the uh, the goings-ons, uh, what it pertains to PPVs, network exclusives, what have you. Uh, there is so much TakeOver New York and WrestleMania 35 to talk about. We thought we'd actually skip the headlines. And we know, we know Raw after WrestleMania is a big deal. SmackDown Live after WrestleMania is a big deal. And a lot of people are showing up. A lot of people are back. A lot of people are gone after last weekend. But since the Superstar Shakeup is next week, we're going to go ahead and wait when it comes to reporting about who's where because they might not be there next week. Um, and we're going to basically round up all the, the headlines, the departures, the arrivals, and save it for next week's episode. Yeah, and, and hashtag dear listeners understand that in addition to all of that that Perry has already mentioned, we of course want to talk about the Hall of Fame. We want to talk about all non-WWE-related events like the G1 Supercard and all of the indie wrestling that happened that week. But trying to discuss every bit of that and spend a little bit of time with the two cards that make the week possible, it's just too big of an episode. So we're just going to discuss TakeOver and WrestleMania cards and put everything off uh, everything else off until next week. And believe me, we will give all of it its uh, due diligence. That's right, folks. We're telling it like it is. We're putting all of our cards on the table. And we're only going to discuss the NXT and WWE card uh, from this previous weekend. Um, like I said, we're going to talk all about uh, who's back, who's gone. Some really interesting developments there. But... We gotta talk about NXT TakeOver New York and WrestleMania 35. Darren, we went head-to-head. Head-to-head. And it was very interesting. Interesting is what I would say it was at the very least. Uh, so, WWE is the reason for the WrestleMania season. So it is only fitting that we discuss TakeOver and WrestleMania. Right here, right now. NXT had its show on Friday night. Not Saturday night. 
Talk about head to head. Head to head. I don't think Vincent friends were quite that excited about putting TakeOver up against the New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor G1 Supercard on Saturday night, the 6th of April, at Madison Square Garden, the home of WWE. You know Vince just absolutely shook his fists at the sky over this whole mess. Uh, and, of course, he moves his, 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 his baby show, his, his little baby show, uh, TakeOver to Friday night instead of Saturday night. Uh, you know, these are they take over is like Vince's grandchild. The, the the one that he 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 just sends a check to at the birthday, <laughs> but doesn't ever call. Uh, it sounds like a, a a grandfather that I know. But nevertheless, uh, oh, that's heartbreaking. Oh. But on Friday, the fifth of <laughs> April, two thousand nineteen, emanating from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The first of many nights that WWE would occupy the Barclays Center, we have NXT, the gold brand, presenting TakeOver New York. And uh, we got our five matches, and unlike we predicted might happen, there was no pre-show match. It is five alive as far as TakeOver is concerned, and all five of these matches were definitely alive, uh, much like the hills are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> That's, that's accurate. Accurate. <laughs> the opening match of TakeOver was the NXT Tag Team Championship match. The War Raiders, your reigning tag team champions, against Aleister Black and Ricochet. Uh, they were fresh off the set of Ricky and Allie. Then, uh, <laughs> nice. The, the, the new uh, female detective drama. Um, which was rumored to be starring Kirstie <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alley and Ricky Lake. Uh, but no, Alistair Black and Ricochet said, out of the way, all TV shows must now star us. And also out of the way, Peck. <laughs> yeah. War Raiders, speaking of Willow, the War Raiders would fit right in in the movie Willow. What was really strange to me was that this... Uh, special, I'm doing air quotes here, this special entrance for the War Raiders was awesome. It was. But it was like a lesser version of uh, their TakeOver, what, TakeOver Phoenix from January. Right, and, the, the uh, one that took far too long. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it did. But it was strange to me that it was like, let's scale back, let's do a smaller one uh, at, the, at this bigger show. It always fascinates me uh, the decisions that WWE makes of who gets the special entrance, how special is it, how does it compare to their last one, who doesn't get one at all, and you got to wonder why. Uh, you know, cost is always going to factor in, but I think there's got to be a lot of other weird factors. And nevertheless, very cool entrance for the War Raiders. They are, you know, wrestlers out of time or uh, off planet, they, not just from another time, from another fantasy world. And Aleister Black and Ricochet uh, just making the rounds. Um, and uh, this was a great match. I totally agree. Uh, they War Raiders might be out of time, but they're not out of touch. Obviously, the War Raiders have the size advantage, uh, but they did a pretty good job. Like it's it's so strange because it was obviously uh, Roe 
was kind of like going head to head, head to head, if you will, against Alistair Black. And uh, Hanson and Ricochet, a lot more, and, and as the match went on, Marwanalo even kind of like mentions this, like a lot more parallels to draw than you would think if you just saw the poster, like the marquee of these, these you know, two teams side by side. Because Hanson, even though he is a giant, uh, is a, a nimble little mink, Sydney, um, because <laughs> he's he's able to to you know bounce off the ropes and a cartwheel and do all kinds of fun stuff uh, right there with Ricochet, and uh, it's cool because Hanson shows off that he can keep up more or less with the aerial acrobatics of Ricochet, but then when Ricochet caught Hanson and hit him with a fallaway slam, super impressive, equally impressed by Ricochet's strength as I was by Hanson's Athletics. And Aleister Black and Rowe going at it, that was just fun to watch. Yeah, this is a great match. This is a match I will go back and watch. And uh, as far as, like, the last uh, 10 years, that list is so much smaller than my list of matches to go back and watch from, let's say, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, or 30 years ago. But in that list of matches to go back and watch, not just one more time, but any time, this, this match made its way onto that list. Oh, wow. This is a go-to match for when I'm going to want to watch some quote-unquote good wrestling. Um, it is remarkable to see Hanson do what he does. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough about it. It's very impressive, and it doesn't get old. It's not like, oh, yeah, we've seen it. Oh, the big guy can can do a cartwheel. You know, it, It's like... He's truly impressive, and uh, and he and he and he does, he's not a one-trick pony, and uh, that's another that's another thing is um, uh, these guys who have spent so much of their careers outside of the WWE system, they can't help but seem fresh by comparison, and that's what I think is always so great about Takeover is it's a WWE production of the best wrestling outside of WWE. Sure. That's what it always seems like. And even though Aleister Black has now been in WWE for a while, other than the, his branding, there's nothing about Aleister Black that feels WWE. And that's a good thing. I mean that in a good way. You know, and then, um, hell, I've still seen, <laughs> I've still seen three, four, five times as many uh, War Machine matches as I have War Raiders matches. Um, and so none of their uh, none of their indie work or New Japan or ROH stuff um, has rubbed off or like rubbed off and like disappeared yet. It's it's all there. And um, I don't know that I was expecting a goodbye here, but it was very cool after the War Raiders defeat Alistair Black and Ricochet and retain their belts. It was fun to see the War Raiders with the full in sync Japanese bow to their uh, vanquished foes. And then at that moment to see that Aleister Black and Ricochet were saying goodbye to NXT. I don't know that I was prepared for that. Yeah. Um, obviously you and I have been very vocal about the pairing of Aleister Black and Ricochet and how it doesn't quite make sense, but it doesn't mean they're not two very talented individuals and they've tagged so many times now that they actually are a very good tag team. 
um, and watching him pull off some really impressive, really innovative tag team maneuvers, um, not just, you know, bouncing off the ropes and doing cool poses at the same time, which is also so pretty cool. Um, just watching the match and again, watching them be a function as a, as a, a very solid tag team was great. Like, like you said, like I've already said, the match was awesome, but the goodbye was actually pretty emotional. Um, and it was very sad. It was like to, for us to go from like, why are they together to like, is this the end of these two together? Like, you know, it kind of, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was effective because it made me go like, oh, but don't really, don't really separate them. So uh, obviously, we'll see more of Aleister Black and Ricochet again. We already saw more of them uh, on the following week. Uh, and it, we, uh, we'd see them again in a couple of days from uh, then on WrestleMania 35 as a tag team. So it was weird to be like, all right, goodbye forever. See you in 48 hours. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what we I have here. I will say this. Uh, not that I had any doubt about it, but there really must be some magic to that performance center and to that, you know, NXT traveling brand as it hits up the armories uh, and the YMCAs and the community centers because Ricochet was very emotional after this match and he has not been there that long. Right. That like Ricochet has has been under contract other places longer than this, I'm sure. Um, so for him to be that emotional means he was saying goodbye to something that had impacted him greatly. Like there's no reason for the character of Ricochet to be that upset. So for the man Ricochet, um, to be that visibly emotional, I think that says a lot about the camaraderie of that, of that brand's locker room. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get WWE accommodations, right? Working, working, you know, NXT, which is WWE, but you're gonna have four star, five star matches with the talent that's there, and they're gonna let you do your thing. So it kind of is the perfect situation. You're not gonna get as many viewers, you're not gonna get as many fans, just because not as many people watch NXT compared to WWE, Raw, SmackDown Live, whatever. Um, but it is kind of perfect to go from like struggling, basically making the towns, as they say. Um, and then you go to NXT, it's like, oh good, I'm part of that machine. I got the security blanket now, and I'm gonna still have awesome matches. And 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 like I'm all but guaranteed to go up to WWE television next. Like it's kind of the greatest situation to be in, I'm sure, as a wrestler. So unless you're Aaliyah. Oh, unless you are Aaliyah. <laughs> <laughs> or Wesley Blake, bless his heart. Aw. The next match at TakeOver was the North American champion, the Velveteen Dream, defending his belt against Matt Riddle, the ultimate bro, the altered bro, Matt Riddle. And this match was one of the hardest ones for me to swallow all weekend because I love both these guys. Right, but as sure as I was, actually as sure as we both were, that the War Raiders would retain those titles because we did pick that one correctly. Uh, I was equally sure that Velveteen Dream would hold on to that North American title, Darren, and I was right. Now, I'm a huge fan of Velveteen Dream. Uh, I was not that big of a fan of Matt Riddle going into this, but after that match, I became a very big fan of Matt Riddle. So he he, he finally won me over, Darren. He He won over my heart. Ah, wow. I am glad to hear that because I want everybody to be on the Matt Riddle train. I want him to be the one who ends Brock Lesnar's WWE career. 
And if Brock is so willing to do business the way they say he is, then I say one year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whenever Brock finally gets ready to leave WWE for the last time, it has to be Matt Riddle who puts Lesnar on his back. It would just be awesome, period. It right. just, it just would be. Sure, that, that, that would be very cool. Uh, and that's a possibility down the road for sure. But uh, as it is now, I am a fan of Matt Riddle. Though I, I I do say that him wrestling barefoot still gives me horrible anxiety. Because <laughs> you're going to stub your toe. Someone's going to step on your foot. Double Team Dream actually does uh, take advantage of his barefooted foe uh, during the match. And, and rightly so. Uh, but no, the, the match is just great. I mean, it really is one of, like, like probably, it's probably Matt Riddle's best match he's had at NXT thus far, I'd say. And one of Velveteen's best matches, too. And he's had some great, great fights. Um, so that that's really hard to call. But he, he stopped Matt Riddle. He was undefeated going into this, but I uh, can't say that anymore. But he's still Matt Riddle. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I, you know, I... I uh, listening to our episode last week, I already began to question myself even before the match happened. I managed to ma- managed to just listen to it before uh, takeover uh, started and realized as I was listening, I was not as sure as when we were recording um, that Matt Riddle um, could get by with a loss here. Um, and then actually after seeing it, I realized, no, he actually will be just fine with this loss. But as you know, and if those uh, dear listeners who were listening last week, they know that the reason I picked Riddle, um, other than I like Riddle, but I like Dream just as much as I like Riddle. The reason I picked him was because not so sure about the finish of this match, but I had convinced myself the thing I was sure about was Dream going up to the main roster. Now, if that doesn't happen, then the belt doesn't have to move for any reason. And, of course, it doesn't. And uh, so that's why my pick is wrong, and that's why I went with that pick. Um, I'm not Other than it causes me to uh, possibly lose the head-to-head, I'm not unhappy with the finish. As a wrestling fan... And as someone, as one half of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show, uh, and someone who analyzes uh, this industry so intensely and so regularly and so thoroughly, I'm, I'm totally happy. I love the story the Velveteen Dream is telling. Um, and the longer he stays in NXT, the better. Sure. I, I, love, his, I love his story in NXT. Um, it was very cool. I saw somewhere on Instagram on either his story or someone else's story, a picture of Dream backstage with Shawn Michaels and Triple H in a kind of a candid moment. Um, and it said something, and I'm butchering this, I apologize, but it said something to the effect of like uh, basically hang around those that, that represent what you want to be or, you know, like uh, interact with those who've been where you want to go. And it was just very cool. It was just very cool to see uh, Velveteen acknowledging uh, this, this whole thing. Sure. It's, it's funny though, hearing us keep saying uh, dream and riddle. It sounds like we're using like uh, street uh, lingo for like drugs. We don't want to just say drugs. (laughs) We don't don't want to be implicated 
and any uh, illegal going ons. Uh, but no, uh, great match. Hey Perry, hey Perry, don't don't forget. You know we got to pick up some dreams. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't forget. Don't forget the riddle. Somebody's oh. got to feed oh. the turtle. Oh, 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 you got some of that riddle. Now the next the next match is the one that I said last week should be on WrestleMania because it is a WWE title. Why is it being defended on an NXT show? The WWE United Kingdom title is on the line as champion Pete Dunne defends against Walter. He is only it, needs one name. Is it me or has Pete Dunne decided he would not uh, cut his hair ever since he became champion? Because I didn't realize how long his hair had gotten until this match. It was like, oh my god, his hair is grotesque. Also, he should never have facial hair. Oh, oh wow. you Man, okay. He says the nicest things about you. And he smells awful, and I hate him, and he's dumb. Um, no, no, I, I love Pete Dunne. I, I, can't say an, I, I can't say enough good things about Pete Dunne, but I don't like his beard. It doesn't work well for him, so that's all. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, who does he look like? Who does he look like? Who does he look like? What? Is this a whole fiction reference? Who does Pete Dunne look <laughs> yeah. like? <laughs> Does he look like a bitch? <laughs> what? <laughs> what ain't no country I ever heard of? Do they speak English or what? <laughs> um, who does he look like? Who does Pete Dunn look like? Because I always see him and I'm like, my brain goes, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn, not Pete Dunn. Who is that? That's someone else. Who is that? And I, you know, that doesn't happen very often with, with people. I, I either immediately go, hey, they kind of look like, insert person here. Sure. Or they only look like themselves. But Pete Dunne, it's like I'm, I'm seeing him and I'm seeing somebody else at the same time and I can't figure it out. I don't know. Pete Dunne kind of has that, like, angry face. Um, and he, he's got the, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but he's got those, like, acne scars. He looks kind of like a teenage kid you went to school with. You know what I mean? Like, like. Like, like, you know, like an at, like a typical, like kind of, you know, brutish, a bruiser weight, if you will. Uh, like, like maybe like a, just a, like a bully or something like that. Like a, a generic bully from high school. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. But this bully got into the uh, self-tanner, um, I'm afraid, before <laughs> TakeOver because uh, up against Walter's Big uh, billboard-like physique, which is very, very, very white, very pasty, very, very European. Yeah, he's he's a he's a German. He's a he's a continental, and uh, alabaster is the color of that skin. And al an orange against alabaster is like throwing spaghetti on a white tile bathroom floor. <laughs> it is a startling contrast. Uh, he is continental, and I've had his breakfast before. Uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was lackluster. It, it left a little bit to be desired. However, this match, uh, left nothing to be desired. I thought this was a phenomenal match, a phenomenal, uh, takeover for Walter and, uh, Pete Dunne doing what he does best, which is just be the bruiser weight. But man, that was a, that was a great, great match. And, uh, you and I were not surprised that Walter did end up with that WWE UK title, um, ending Pete Dunne's reign, which is which had been going on longer than I'd realized uh, until I was reminded 30 times, and not by Michael Cole, strangely enough. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it was time for Pete Dunne to drop the belt and kind of move on. Um, and who knows what's going to happen to that belt now that Walter has it. Or who? Who's going to bring Walter down? That guy is a, a, a mammoth. Dude, he's so good. He's such a good wrestler. This was one of my favorite matches of the whole weekend. Um, and I don't care what show you're talking about. Walter versus Pete Dunne in NXT for a WWE uh, championship title. That's awesome. And they're, le- and they're given time to tell their story. They both go balls out. They are kicking each other's asses. They are, you know, they are flipping and kicking and, and powerlifting and gorilla slamming and going through the ropes and hitting the mat and going off the top rope and just, you know, strong style elbowing each other in the collarbone and in the jaw and slapping each other in the chest. And it's just like the hashtag this is wrestling. Well, it's British strong style, uh, Darren. It is the thing, and uh, no, these these guys take some some pretty big hits. Um, you mentioned Pete Dunne looked like someone you couldn't quite place your finger on. I actually had that same thought about Walter watching this match. Who does who does Walter look like, Darren? I don't know. He looks like Farva. Oh no! <laughs> don't do that. Uh, what's his name? Kevin Kevin Hefferman. Kevin. Heffernan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I totally got that. Just from, like, maybe some side shots. Because kind of reminded me of Farva a little bit from Super Troopers, I gotta say. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Walter certainly looks like Walter. Everything about him I love. Him coming out, and it's just like the, what is it, just the white on the screen behind him, and it's just his outline. And just that long black coat, and that's kind of all he has, you know? And then he's just wearing just, like, the underwear or whatever. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's great. Like, I love everything about him. It's a match you've never seen before as far as WWE is concerned. So yeah, anything new is good. Uh, so I'm all about it. I definitely am all about it. I'm very, I'm on the, I am on team Walter. I am Walter train. I am, you know, ring comp. He is the general. Um, I mean, I, I want more. I'll definitely be watching, uh, every episode of NXT UK just to see more of Walter with that championship. But the penultimate match of the evening, the NXT Women's Championship is on the line in a fatal four-way. Champion Shayna Baszler faces former champion Kyrie Sane, Kyrie's friend Io Shirai, and in her follow-up attempt to take the belt off of Baszler is Bianca Belair. So this is four women who anxiously want that gold with them. Baszler is is sort of a pry it from my cold dead hands type. <laughs> uh, Kyrie Sane. Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest Kyrie Sane fan, to be honest. Uh there's really nothing to dislike, but I just don't get excited. She's she's a fine wrestler. Sure. I love to make my soul caliber jokes. Um and I'd rather watch her than you know, probably a lot of other people, but she's far from my favorite. She just doesn't really do anything special for me. Something, no, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Something about her performance uh, doesn't quite work. Like, it stands out as, like, I dare say, unbelievable um, or, like, just incredible. Just just very, uh, like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite gel together. 
Uh, and it's kind of more apparent when you have this match, when you have someone like Shanna Baszler, who's MMA trained mostly. Um, you have Bianca Belair, who is, you know, homegrown performance center talent. You have Io Shirai and you have Kyrie Sane, who both obviously got their training done in the East. Um, so it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb or like, cause you have very different styles in this match, uh, except for of course, Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai who are like working together. Cause they're like, you know, that they, they have that past going on. Um, but Bianca Belair, who again, I'll, I'll say it again, is not where she's, she's in a spot that she doesn't need to be yet because she still needs some more matches under her belt to kind of get more experience. And that there are some, some miss, you know, cues, that there are some you know sloppy moments in the match. I won't even say that's all her. That's all her doing because it's it's kind of across the board. Probably some loss in translation, some miscommunication there as well. Uh, when you have Io and um, Kyrie in there, but uh, there are some very good elements in this match for sure. And uh, in the end of it, Shayna Baszler hangs on with a kung fu grip to that NXT Women's Title, just like I said she would, Darren. Just like I said yeah. she would. Now, this is another one we picked differently, and uh, this will be the difference maker um, in, in terms of the show. Ultimately, you will win this head-to-head. Head-to-head. As for now, the second time on the show, I have chosen incorrectly. And again, not to make an excuse, but to simply provide a reason I chose Bel Air because I was convinced Baszler was leaving. I need to just put that part out of my head clearly and stop looking for people to do the right thing and drop a belt on their way out the door because apparently I don't know when the hell they're walking out that door. (laughs) Well, well, you might be right after all when we talk about the main event match, which is for the NXT title. Uh, it is a best of three falls, best two out of three falls match between Johnny Gargano, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestling, Jonathan Grapple um, versus uh, Adam Cole Bebe of the Undisputed Era. Uh, best two out of three. So going into this best two out of three falls match, I'm with Cole thinking he's going to win. You are with Gargano thinking he's going to win. And it, we we all win. The audience wins because it is a phenomenal match, which, you know, like, first fall, second fall is very good, but then, like, the last fall, like, like everything after the second fall is just like, oh, high gear, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's firing on all cylinders, and these guys are doing what they do best, and it, it is amazing to watch. It really was a great match. You know what I keep expecting? I keep expecting to hear... The following two out of three falls match is scheduled for one fall. <laughs> one fall! Um, because <laughs> that's what I expect to hear, because I don't really remember what I did here. Did they say the following match is scheduled for three falls? Or I, like, I don't recall. Um, I really I can't remember. I guarantee you it's one of those things that very easily... Could have been fucked up, uh, for, for lack of a better word, Be- in, in the sense that where you used to hear people say things, and you probably do still hear it from time to time, things like, the United States champion of the world. Right, right, right. Just certain words are trained to follow certain other words, um, and certain phrases become inexorably linked uh, 
with a, a certain pattern or a certain visual. And then all of a sudden a rarity, you know, pops up and then you forget how to apply it correctly. Sure. It's, and, it's uh, easy to go on autopilot. Um, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I love this match. Um, I thought it had to go to Gargano. Uh, and if, if people who were listening last week know that I picked it uh, for, uh, and again, here, here's me being dangerous again, picking things for reasons when WWE doesn't believe in reasons. Um, but I believe that if, if you don't give it to Gargano uh, here, then the ship will sail. Uh, the, the, will, the full sail but say, will... Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad the you made the full sail connection. <laughs> yeah. The, the ship will sail because with the limited programming, it would take another year to get the belt on Gargano via Champa, maybe even longer. Um, and I think Gargano's story has to include the championship. Now, uh, now he's got it. I mean, honestly, that's a, I, you know, I was about to launch into another diatribe, but it suffice it to say, he's got it. Well, he's I'm... got the missing piece of the Gargano story as far as NXT is concerned. Now anything anything can go. Anything could happen now, but he had to have this piece. Sure, sure. Uh, well, watching this match, I was on pins and needles because I was one match away from total victory as far as the NXT head-to-head. Head-to-head. Because this was the last match that I had yet to, to get right. So I was all about Cole winning. Um, and <laughs> when the Undisputed Era hit the scene, and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> He's going to cheat to win, but it still counts. It still counts. Uh, Gargano, though, not to be thwarted. Uh, dispatches of the Undisputed Era, and uh, does claim victory, claims a championship win, and I was like, where's, where's Candice LeRae? Where's Candice LeRae? Candice LeRae comes out and celebrates with her husband, uh, Mrs. Wrestling, if you will, and uh, they actually get to, after they celebrate with the audience for about 30 minutes, uh, they do get to the top of the entrance ramp, and Champa does come out, uh, neck brace and all, and uh, actually congratulates Johnny uh, Gargano on a job well done. It's a very tender moment, which is weird because these guys literally hated each other a week ago. Um, but, you know, you, you get the idea. I mean, <laughs> you have to kind of just forgive that one and go like, oh, we know they're buddies in real life. Fine. He's happy for his buddy. Um, so it is what it is. But, no, great takeover. Uh, very, very impressed uh, across the board for the most part. And, uh, man, another great Gargano match. <laughs> Gargano really has great matches. I love it. So, great great uh, main event, and I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to come after that NXT title. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with all of these titles. Who's going to challenge Walter? Who's going to challenge the War Raiders? What's next for the Velveteen Dream? What's next for Shayna Baszler and friends? And Gargano, and honestly, even the man who doesn't leave New York with the belt, Adam Cole, baby, what is his, what is his doom? What is his fate? What sure. is his destiny? Sure. I mean, we got a superstar shakeup going down. Who knows who's going to show up again? NXT has already hemorrhaged quite a bit of talent uh, over the past few months to uh, Raw and SmackDown Live, but it's interesting to see. Uh, who follows. Undisputed Era showing up on Raw or SmackDown could be very interesting. And some of the things that have already 
And some of the things that have already kind of happened since Mania are also very interesting developments. So it's it's an exciting time. It most definitely is. And uh, TakeOver was an exciting time. I tip my hat to you. You win the head-to-head. Head-to-head. With four correct picks to one incorrect. Uh, edging me out when I had three correct picks to two incorrect and again, I've said it before, four and one sounds so good, and three and two, while only being one off, just sounds terrible. <laughs> well, I appreciate the uh, congratulations there, my friend. Uh, watching WrestleMania, though, I was not so lucky. Uh, oh, man. We talked about NXT TakeOver New York. Let's talk about WrestleMania 35. Darren, let's do it. Two nights after takeover from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, East Rutherford, New Jersey, and the MetLife Stadium played host to WrestleMania 35. On Sunday, the 7th of April, 2019, uh, it was an all-day affair. And for those who had to attend live, it really was. I mean, I don't know when these people... <laughs> right, no, no, watching the show for seven-plus hours... You know, on TV is already like a task. It's a daunting task. People had to get there, be there for the whole thing, and then leave there. And you, you are a man who's been to many WrestleManias. You know that that is an endeavor. Uh, that is quite. That is quite the day killer. But you know, what better reason could you have to kill a day? Day killer is is was that Blade's nickname? <laughs> Now, I think it was the Day Walker, I believe. Day Walker. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, man, you know, anybody that watched WrestleMania, anybody that listened to our show last week, anybody that just read spoilers, uh, however you approach it, you know that you are in for the long haul 16 matches. Uh... And even the one that we decided not to call because it wasn't going to happen, guess what? It happened, too. <laughs> we had a few surprises here and there, and uh, we will we'll discuss those as well. But uh, like I said, most of the major fallout uh, from the weekend we're not going to discuss until next week. We really just want to recap what happened on that night in uh, New Jersey. And for starters... The show opens, of course, there end up being, um, I think, a total of four matches on the quote-unquote pre-show, which was two hours before the 7 p.m. start time. And the very first match of the day was a Cruiserweight Championship match, and champion Bloody Murphy defended against uh, the Brick Shithouse, Tony Nese. And I've now called him Brick Shithouse so many times, I forget what his actual nickname is. Uh, <laughs> what, what's he called? Like The, the Brick Shithouse. The, <laughs> the Premier uh, Athlete, Tony uh, Nese? Okay. What's that? The Premier Athlete, Tony Nese? The Premier, right. I kept wanting to say Prototype, but that was John Cena, right? That was his OVW gimmick. The Prototype? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Although you could call Tony Nese that, uh, but I'm going to call him Brick Shithouse. Uh, <laughs> this match was uh, was a good match, and uh, obviously neither we we started off looking like a couple of dum dums, like a <laughs> couple of little tiny uh, little, little tiny lollipops. Um, yes, <laughs> well done. And, uh, 
I'll, I'll be, I'll take mystery flavor any day over buttered popcorn. Ooh, whoa, them's fighting words, Darren. Uh, yeah, yeah, you and I were thinking that they were they were still riding that Buddy Murphy train, that Buddy Murphy gravy train. Uh, but uh, no, they went ahead and dropped the belt to Tony Nese. We forgot, Darren. We forgot WWE and Vince McMahon love Tony Nese because uh, he is a specimen. I will say that he is a he is a very fit man. Yeah, and uh, Bloody Murphy lived up to his name. He got quite a red shiner going on in this match, and uh, I thought, hell yeah, let's start WrestleMania off with some blood. <laughs> you monster. Well, you know, Buddy Murphy lost, but then again, he won because he got to go home and have, you know, Alexa Bliss kiss his boo-boos. Uh, so I think he, he's doing okay for himself. But nonetheless, yeah, your new Cruiserweight champion, Tony Nese, and we start off poorly. <laughs> We get an opportunity to make up for it, although it's going to be tough because we're talking about a battle royal. Now, this was the women's battle royal, um, which may or may not become the China Memorial Women's Battle Royal. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see if anybody is listening to Xbox. Um, I picked Ruby Riot to win, and you picked Asuka to win. And, uh, and I put an asterisk saying... Lacey Evans was my actual pick. Um, so <laughs> That's not how it works, Darren, but yeah. Okay. It's not. It's not how it works. But I was wrong on both accounts. Um, Carmella wins this match. Well, I got this one right because I did put an asterisk next to everyone's name. Because I said <laughs> I said Asuka would win, but then I said, but really everyone will potentially win. Uh, so <laughs> I get that one right. Moving on. Moving on, Darren. I said moving on. Thank you. Uh, Carmella is up to no good. I, I'm, I'm, I, can WWE please, please, uh, as Morrissey said, please, please, please let me get what I want. Lord knows it would be for the first time. Um, <laughs> stop taking people out of a battle royal only for them to come back at the very end. Stop doing it. You do that once every five years. It's, you know, it can be a nasty heel tactic. If you do it in every single battle royal, then that's all people will anticipate ever happening, and it loses whatever you might have gained using it sparingly. Well, typically that's uh, reserved for like a non-wrestler or an older wrestler. You know, like, oh, they're out for a while. They got to they gotta cart them away while the match continues on. Oh, they came back at the end and they won! <laughs> Well, you know, for Carmella to do it, um, I, it was just, I like Carmella so much, but it was, uh, her victory here was a little underwhelming, to be honest. Well, it's underwhelming because it's Carmella uh, winning, which they've, I mean, I say that because they've invested nothing in Carmella. She basically comes out and dances with R Truth and leaves, uh, which she does later, by the way. But uh, <laughs> at least she gets this little feather in her cap uh, in the, the uh, pre show. It's a very prestigious. Up next, still on the pre-show, the Raw Tag Team Champions, Dash and Dawson, also known as the Revival, took on the team, the reunited team of Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, together again. <laughs> uh, and of course, Zack Ryder is just the perennial no-show. Uh, he's the guy that apparently has to make the towns with everybody else, but doesn't get to appear on television. And Kurt Hawkins is the 
the king of the the king of the sea show and uh riding what might be the worst gimmick of all time which is an unending losing streak like i understand how you you know you turn the winning streak story on its ear uh but no that's just that's just garbage yeah well it also makes sense as a uh... Uh, someone who has not won a match in years, uh, getting a number one contender spot at WrestleMania for tag team titles. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but anyway, it is the end of his streak. Uh, the spell, the evil spell is broken, Darren, because Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins go over on the Revival, which is a huge uh, mistake. <laughs> it just is. Uh, it is. It's for, terrible. Nobody, nobody wants to see Ryder and Hawkins with these belts. Exactly. Yeah. No one. I mean, no one wants to see Ryder and Hawkins. And that's it. Um, so moving on. Moving on, we have one last match on the pre-show, and that is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. This is the WWE's opportunity to cram all the men left on the roster uh, who don't have a match. It just, just. Stick them in there. Just, just. <laughs> Put on your just, white gear and get in there, damn it. Stack them up like cordwood. Pack them in like sardines. Was it stack them deep and sell them cheap? Is that what, uh, is that what car salesman <laughs> Cass Birch says? Yeah, and don't forget to leave. Don't forget to leave. You stole it. Don't forget to leave. I, I've always loved that because it says, don't forget to leave and drive it like you stole it. But I like that he says, don't forget to leave. <laughs> Don't forget to leave. There are people You're there. It was, it was, no, 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 no. That was such a problem at his dealership. People kept forgetting to leave. And uh, some people are still there because they, they haven't remembered to they leave They forgot yet. to leave. <laughs> oh, kind of like Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. They, uh... You know, one of the, you know one reason why it's hard to leave? There is a cafe in his car dealership. <laughs> There's a fully functioning restaurant. You're you're welcome, Cass. Not people up in the north and people overseas know about your dealership, and they know uh, some of your catchphrases now. Well, if, if if you come visit Valdosta, Georgia, from overseas, uh, and you find yourself at Casperch, <laughs> I, I, I can only reiterate one. If I could only reiterate one thing, I would say, don't forget to leave. <laughs> And, I, I, if you, and, if, and drive it like you stole it. But don't forget to leave. Don't forget to leave. But I, I want one of our don't audience... Forget, don't forget to leave. I want, I want one of our hashtag listeners to come from overseas to purchase an automobile, to go through the great, the great deal of uh, hardship to actually purchase one and then have it sent all the way back across the ocean uh, at great expense um, just so, so they can say they bought something from Cass Birch. Uh, j- just come and eat and then leave. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Sorry, <laughs> we're Revival. Already, we're already talking about the Andre Battle Royal. Oh, oh yeah, God, wow. <laughs> but, yeah, but you're right, you're right, Ryder and Hawkins. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't said anything wrong, Darren. I don't know why and you're trying to correct me. Now, yeah, and now Kurt Hawkins can return... Uh, his new ring gear uh, to 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 the Spirit Squad because it's their old ring gear. Yes, yes, well done. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is what it is. It is just a big 
shit show, a uh, big rainbow colored shit show um, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, never will be's and unfortunate has been. Oh my God. I, I want the WWE roster to all be at a bus driving to the next venue. And they, they, hey, this is a wrestling podcast. I've heard some nice things about it. Let's hear what they had to say about WrestleMania. Wow, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> a bunch of has-beens and a bunch of never-will-bees. You, Darren Beasley, have done far more damage than I ever could. Well, um, you know. And pe- I, people call me the mean one, Darren. People call me the mean one. And I, I do want to say shout out to those of you hashtag your listeners who reached out to me uh, feeling sorry for me after I, I stated in the last episode that no one ever reaches out to me because <laughs> I feel they find me unapproachable. Uh, so thank you very much for reaching out to me, folks. I feel the love and I appreciate it. You're loved, too. You're loved, too. But I will say, you're a mean one, Mr. Smith. <laughs> hey, I didn't call them has I didn't call them has-beens and never will be. But well, speaking uh, of that, we got some non-wrestlers involved in this one, Darren. We got yeah. Callan Joust and Michael Che. I don't even know. Is that their names? Michael Che and Colin Jost. Is that correct? That is correct. I isn't, don't know what that accent was. Isn't but... uh, Colin Jost? Uh, isn't he like dating slash married to Scarlett Johansson? What? <laughs> Color me uh, shocked if that's the truth. Um, lucky him, he has to be several many years her junior. Um, so old Scarjo robbing the cradle. I'm gonna tell a whole story while you look to see if it's even true or not. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and plan out their wedding. Na 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 na. What? Yes. Wow. I'm sure he cares that he's so much younger than she is, Darren. I'm sure that that's a concern. Yes. Uh no, I'm not a concern. It's just a it's just a uh an observation. Uh that was the James was that the James Bond thing you did? Yeah. Um that they've been together for two years, just so everyone knows I'm right about that. So yes. Oh, two. So so I speaking no so speaking that... of Buddy Murphy winning, because he's with Alexa Bliss, Colin Jost especially wins. Because he's with Scarlett Johansson, a.k.a. Black Widow, which a.k.a. Endgame. That Endgame, though, Darren, that Endgame. Oh, you know what? In a show where we don't have time to waste, I, and i got to waste a little bit of time here. Um, <laughs> We've because, already been doing that. You, you talk about uh, listeners reaching out to you. I've had some listeners reach out to me about, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised it took me this long to remember to mention it. About Captain Marvel, about how I said that Captain Marvel, that there was no way that it would be good. Um, <laughs> and then we, we've never followed up on it, uh, not on the air. Now, you and I discussed the movie. You saw it before I did. Um, and I saw it just in case I needed to, uh, to have some information uh, to see Endgame. Sure. Uh, and I will say, I will stand corrected. I will stand. I will stand here right now and say uh, I am absolutely one hundred and ten percent wrong about how I felt Captain Marvel would be. Because after I saw Captain Marvel, I will say 
Now that is a good movie. Wow, wow. Well, you, you said Captain Marvel, and I was confused, because Shazam also came out, and you also said that would be awful. I assume you have not seen Shazam yet, but I've heard basically everyone likes it across the board. Yeah, there's no way that Shazam is any good. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, speaking of but no way... I was wrong about Captain Marvel. That movie was excellent. Okay. Well, speaking of things, there's no way being good. This match uh, is, is you know, it, it's typical. I won't say it's bad. It is what it is. Battle Royals are never a good idea. When you have 40-plus bodies in a ring, you can't move. There's nothing impressive that's going to happen. But it comes down to who you assume it would come down to, which is Braun Strowman against Colin Joust and uh, Michael Che. And uh, I said Braun Strowman would win. So did I. So he throws out uh, Jost and Che, and he does win, to no one's surprise. Because it was a match that involved 30 people, but really, it involved only three people, that being Strowman, Che, and Joust. So. <laughs> yeah, and that is a shame when the match was full. When I say has I said unfortunate has-beens. Don't forget. Don't forget when you're playing this back or you're commenting online where I said has-beens, I said unfortunate has-beens. Because among those has-beens are several, many world champions that have no business being in this match. Uh, they do so because they think they're going to elevate the match. Instead, the match brings them down, I'm afraid. Nice try, Darren. You're a horrible person. That takes oh, us oh out God. of the pre-show, which was as long as TakeOver. <laughs> It was. And now yeah. we begin WrestleMania 35. And now we have the opportunity to see the host of WrestleMania 35, Alexa Bliss, come out to do the only thing she's going to do all night. And they did exactly what I knew they would do. And it is that the host of WrestleMania is no longer a host of WrestleMania. It started at 27 with The Rock and it come. It continues through, and it's just as true about Alexa at WrestleMania 35. Stop naming a host if they're not going to actually do something. They need to, if somebody's hosting WrestleMania, they need to be going to them. If not after every single match, then at least every other match, and if only to throw to them and have them throw right back to the announcers. Just make it feel hosted. Well, it's not like the Oscars where it's like, he's a three-time Intercontinental Champion and he's a Democrat. This so-and-so <laughs> versus so-and-so. Well, if you're talking about the Academy Awards, they certainly are all Democrats. Which is probably why the word Democrat came up in my brain. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, unless you're going to have her like introduce every match, then it's not really there's not really a way to have anyone host you know, um, I did feel Alexa Bliss. I mean, she's fine. She's Alexa Bliss. I felt she was overly rehearsed and that everything she said seemed very unnatural and very scripted for her, which typically all the stuff that she says sounds like she's actually saying it. So I, I don't know what happened there, but I, I didn't like her as the host. Um, well, I think one of the main reasons is because it was kind of all it was all kind of baby face. And she yeah, thinks so, yeah. she's so much better as a heel. And when she's not healing it up she's she's a little bland she's gorgeous but she's just a little bland okay well fair enough i mean as a baby face but anyway she welcomes hulk hogan hulk hogan comes out and <laughs> i was like i would bet a million dollars he won't make a silver dumb joke and he did he, he did. did he did 
Um, but he also did he did flub, right? He called it MetLife Arena or something instead of MetLife he, Stadium. He said MetLife Center, maybe. Um, yeah, but yeah, MetLife Center. Yeah, he didn't say stadium. Really? Um, he's getting old, Darren. He's he's got old brain. <laughs> it's funny that when right. Hogan, whenever Hogan comes out, people I think they they hear Real American and they instantly go like, "Oh my God, Hulk Hogan!" But I think sadly with Hogan these days, it's you hear Real American go, "Oh my God, Hulk Hogan." Ah, but Hulk Hogan now. Like, I mean, people go like, do I cheer? Am I mad at Hogan for things that he said? And again, fair. Fair is fair. Totally justifiable. But nonetheless, it's WrestleMania. Hogan is there flexing with Alexa Bliss. And um, not for long, Paul Heyman shows up and uh, basically just storms to the ring, which is weird because... Kind of, if you turn your TVs on at the right moment, it looks like Paul Heyman is coming out to Real American because it's still playing. <laughs> it's still playing until Heyman gets to the ring, and it's a long entrance way. It's a long ramp. Um, so Heyman says, basically, if we're not the main event, do you got something to add there, Chief? I do have something to add. I'm sorry. I just thought Paul Heyman is fat, loud, obnoxious, rude, and presumptuous. He is a real American. Oh, take that, you <laughs> Americans, you. Ugh. Again, send all your hate mail to Darren Beasley, folks. Um, so, Heyman announces if we are not the main event, then we are not waiting around uh, to fight. And basically calls out his beast, uh, calls out the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar to come out, and Seth Rollins, the challenger, comes out right behind him. Was it me, or did, for 80% of the title matches, the champion come out first? Almost every single time. You know I hate that. Hashtag your listeners. You know I hate that. And it happened basically the entire night. Even for the main event, Ronda Rousey comes out first. Charlotte comes out second. Both of them have titles. Becky comes out last. No title. Anywho, so we have our universal title match first First match at WrestleMania proper. Um, okay. You and I talked about this very briefly off air and how much you liked it. Um, I didn't, I, I, I reserved my comment until now. Uh, you liked it. I liked it in the moment when it was happening. I was like, hell yeah. Freshen up your format. Surprise. Here we go. Early on. Let's hit them hard. Let's hit them quick. And by them, by, or excuse me, by um, I mean the the fans. I mean the TV viewing audience. You mean us? Uh, us, right? Uh, the hit movie? The, the, the hit the hit uh, uh, key or peel? I forget which one movie. Us? Yes. Uh, <laughs> peel. Jordan Peel. See, you had to think about it. You still had to think about it, Darren. You went, uh, the peel one. The peel, yes. The... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought. I think I thought it was one person for a while named Kean Peel. <laughs> um, but anyway, but anyway, um, enough about Kean Peel. Um, <laughs> no, no, maybe a little more. Maybe a little more. So, did you see us? So <laughs> I haven't seen us, Darren. But. Um, but you're saying you're not you're not a fan of how it began. It was the shock value. It was the, let's start this thing off right. But no, Darren Beasley's like no, that wore off fast, and now you it feel did. you That's feel slighted. I, 
only as the night wore on. Slightly like, slighted. I, it was great when it was happening. By the middle of the night, and certainly by the end of the night, I thought that was a bad idea. As we have learned more and more over the past few years that Brock Lesnar could give a damn about wrestling, he just, it's literally a paycheck for him. He doesn't interact with the boys. Uh, he works very few dates. It is purely a job, et cetera, et cetera. When knowing that, then to hear Heyman say it is like, it, you almost think that it must be true. And that as soon as that match ended, uh, Lesnar actually left. You know, you'd like to believe that for one night only, Vince would either make Lesnar stay in the building or, God forbid, Lesnar would want to stay in the building. But no, by going on this early, I bet Brock Lesnar hopped on a plane and went back to Saskatoon or wherever the hell he's calling home these days. And uh, and that sucks. Well, a lot of that people left. Sucks. A lot of people left early to avoid the traffic, Darren. So you can't blame him and Paul Heyman. I see what you're saying. Which, by the way, we didn't mention this. Seth Rollins does win this match. Um, so basically, Brock showed up at WrestleMania to drop the belt, and now he's on to to other things. So I see why you'd be upset. I mean, having the Universal Title, which is like regarded as the title of the of all of WWE uh, going on first is a very odd uh, choice. There's no reason why like, the it's no reason why the WWE Championship and Universal Championship couldn't have happened like second to last and third to last right behind the Women's Championship. Like that that would actually be even more so. Like see, like this is how big of a deal the Women's Championship match is. But I understand you got to kind of like pace it out throughout the show. I get that. So um, that that. That is that, but uh, I liked the match for what it was. It was exactly what it needed to be, which we tend to say that about all of Lesnar's matches. Like, they, they, they go exactly how they should go. I like when uh, Lesnar's laid out in the ring at the end and Seth Rollins kind of celebrating at the top of the ramp with the belt. Uh, they caught Lesnar's face right when he mouthed, I'm going to fucking kill you, um, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but uh, it's good. I, I for what it was, I enjoyed it. It wasn't going to ever be a great match, but as far as like a you know good like the story was told, I, I think it worked out pretty well. I disagree. Um, Whoa! I, I thought it was a terrible match. This was just to me. This was just exact. This was the reverse version of Goldberg Kevin Owens. The reverse version of. Uh, uh, of Lesnar and Goldberg, uh, the reverse version of Lesnar and Cena from SummerSlam all those years ago. Uh, it didn't make sense for Rollins to be able to beat him this easily. Uh, a, a nut shot is not enough to take down someone who has terrorized the organization for years. Well, three curb stops. No, I, yeah. I I understand, but at the same time, like you gotta you gotta deal with. You know, Lesnar with kid gloves, which is funny to say because he's a shaved gorilla. But, like, he cannot risk any kind of injury going into his real UFC fight. So, I, I, I get why things have to happen the way they do. Darren, they should never put the belt back on him after Reigns drops it. So, you know, you do with what you, you have. You, you do what you is can. There, 
is there any chance we'll ever see a good Brock Lesnar match again? Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> no, that, that's over with. Then, then take him off the roster permanently. I and agree. Rhino. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Actually, um, I read today, I read today that they took Rhino off of the roster on WWE.com. So despite the fact that he retired almost a year ago uh, and wrestled at WrestleMania this year, uh, he may actually be gone now. Well, only time will tell, Darren. And we move right on to AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, against the Viper, Randy Orton. Um, I know that we both said that we were surprisingly okay with this match going in. Um, I... I, I ceased to feel that way when I actually saw it, however. Wow, the, Darren, uh, this is becoming a head-to-head. 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 Because I thought this match was good. I thought it was a good match. Uh, and it, wow. ended, it ended with AJ going over on Randy Orton, which you both said would happen, right? Right. I just... I, I, I was just reminded that I really don't like Randy Orton. <laughs> I didn't need I didn't need to be reminded of that and yet I was reminded of that. Wow. Well, Darren, I enjoyed this match so much. I I I hereby announce that I will no longer call him Blandy Orton. Instead, I will refer to him as Randy Snorton. Oh my god. Or and or Randy Borton. <laughs> Well, then I'll call him Blandy Snorton. Wow. Wow. Because he is twice twice as bad as you think he is. There's just nothing uh, for Randy Orton to do. Um, I mean, an RKO is neat. I mean, I liked RKO the first time when it was called a diamond cutter, because that's what it fucking is. Um, and people tend to forget that. But there's just there's no reason for him to do anything. He's won every belt too many times. And <laughs> him just sticking around is kind of like... Hey, Randy Orton's around. All right. That's it. No, it is. That's exactly what it is. And I think that uh, he needs to go the way of the Dodo with a quickness because uh, taking up space on a show like this, it's just, you know, no, there's just no, no. This is just what happens, Darren. This is a cautionary tale of achieving way too much, way too early in your career. Oh, yeah. And now there is just nothing left to do because you've already done it all within, like, the first ten years. And he's got easily another ten years in him if he wanted to do it. You know what I mean? I don't see oh. I don't see him doing it, but he could if he wanted to. Just stick around for the fucking ten years. Oh, I, I mean, he probably will. Uh, and I just don't, I mean, who's he going to wrestle? His, his son. Maybe. Sure. By then. I don't know. Well, what's next? What's next? What's next? It's the SmackDown live tag team championship match, a fatal four way. And the champions, the Usos are defending against Ricky and Allie. Cesaro. <laughs> <laughs> And that old chestnut, that historically great team of Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Oh, man. They've done it all. Speaking of doing it all, Darren, what haven't they done together as a tag team, Rusev and Nakamura? They went from the, the bottom, 
and got all the way to the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) We started from the bottom. Now we're here back at the bottom. (laughs) And that makes me angry. Yeah, I mean, a lot of talent in this match. There's a lot of talent in this match, but this match you could have seen on Raw or SmackDown very easily. So there's nothing special about this match. Um, unfortunately, it's only special because it's at WrestleMania for the tag team titles. And even then, nothing really changes because the Usos, at the end of the day, just hold on to the belts. So it's just kind of a, you could have just thrown all these people in the Andre match if, you know, nothing nothing life-changing was going to happen in following it. So there is no There is no next chapter to the story written. There is no next chapter to the story introduced. There's no red herring. There's no MacGuffin. There's no climax. There's no denouement. There is nothing in this match. We are still on the first page of this story, and we finish on the first page. I'm glad you said MacGuffin, Darren. And I'm actually very impressed you know the term MacGuffin. I had to explain it to someone recently, uh, someone who actually knows movies and TV shows very well. Um, For those of you who don't know what a MacGuffin is, by the way... Uh, a MacGuffin is basically a bullshit plot device. Uh, sometimes literally is a device in movies. Uh, typically when like a bad guy wants to get like a, like some sort of bio agent to like poison the world or like some sort of like, uh, we'll say like atomic bomb or something like that. That's a reason for things to happen is a MacGuffin. And I like it when in TV shows they actually just call the secret weapon the MacGuffin weapon. I watched an episode of uh, G.I. Joe the Cartoon, and they literally called it the MacGuffin. And I was like, wow, wow, <laughs> they're calling it what it is. Uh, that was actually pretty uh, pretty funny. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad, you, I'm glad we can educate those who did not, who did not know that term. <laughs> well, um, there's not one here. Um, there's there's nothing there's no element of storytelling whatsoever. Well, technically, the tag team titles are the MacGuffin. Technically, okay, technically. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they don't. There, it's it's ignored. Sure, it's ignored because nothing changes. Nothing is put into motion. Nothing is accomplished. That's so um, WWE. So we both picked Ricky and Allie to win this match, Aww. but don't. Yeah, they might as well have. I mean, the Usos do drop the belt 48 hours later, but, you know, we'll talk about that next week. Next up, we have our Falls Count Anywhere match between The Miz and Shane McMahon. Now, we, well, we've known since about 1999... <laughs> that this would mean Shane falls off of something. <laughs> I, honestly, I believe you called him Fall McMahon. Is that correct? Fall, yeah, Fall McMahon. Too so bad the nickname Crash was already taken because he would easily be Crash McMahon. Oh my god. Uh, I did not see The Miz taking the same bump. So that was a refreshing twist. It wasn't just literally... Hi, I'm Shane McMahon. Welcome to Jackass. And then he falls <laughs> off. No, 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 no. Montage of him. Fall- oh man, I want to make that so badly now. So that was cool. That was cool that it wasn't just that. Uh, I mean, Lord knows I love Jackass, but uh, 
I don't love Shane McMahon just uh, <laughs> just just falling for no reason. So uh, the the match was fought all over. It felt like a Falls Count Anywhere match, and that was cool. It really felt like a Falls Count Anywhere match. I thought that uh, that Fall McMahon was was dead when he landed on the top of that golf cart and then skidded off and landed on his back on the pavement. Wow. You want to talk about having the air knocked out of you? I can, I'm surprised he could breathe after that. I mean, it's very fortunate you said air because he is the heir to the McMahon empire. Uh, yes, Darren. Uh, the, the match got very physical, very falls count anywhere E, and I hate when falls count anywhere is stipulation and it just stays in the ring the entire time. And Oh, yeah. Again, you know, I, I've said this phrase and I've said it, I say it a lot on the show. Uh, this match is what it needed to be. And uh, it ends with a big old, big old fall into a kaboom, uh, which is this is the way Shane McMahon would want it. Uh, but the twist here is, even though Miz does basically uh, suplex McMahon off of that like cameraman rig that's up high, uh, unfortunately the way they fall, Shane McMahon lands on top of the Miz, which constitutes a pin because both Miz's shoulders are down. And we have a one, two, and three of Shane McMahon going over on the Miz at WrestleMania. The bad guy wins, which I did not expect. You did not expect uh, the Miz losing. So uh, we got that one wrong. We did get that one wrong, and I hate that. I don't understand it. I'm curious what happens from here. Dude, I don't like Miz as a babyface, so I don't want him to stay a babyface. Um, I like the twist ending. I just don't like the fact that it twisted so that Shane won. Shane doesn't need to. He doesn't need to be the best in the world. Darren, he already he won a tournament. He's already best in the world. I know. All, I all know. bets. No, no, you don't understand, Darren. All bets are off because he literally won a World Cup tournament to become the best wrestler in the world in the year 2018. What am I thinking? I uh, guess I'm the asshole. You, well? Hey, I said it myself, didn't I? Darren can certainly be an asshole sometime. Oh, goodness. I'm not going <laughs> to unpack that one right now. Uh, the Women's Tag Team Championship is on the line as the inaugural Women's Tag Champs, Bailey and Sasha Banks, were set to defend against the Divas of Doom. Beth Phoenix coming out of retirement, the Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. Which is totally what, what I thought that uh, Tamina and Nia should have been called, the Divas of Doom. Instead, it's 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 not them, and I was very let down by that. Because you said it, I forgot that was their name, you said it last week, and I was like, that's actually not a bad name. Oh, not for them, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Beth Phoenix and Natalia are the Divas of Doom. Nia Jax and Tamina are not. Um, their name is the not iconic. the. Their name is not the Divas of Doom. <laughs> uh, yes, and the Iconics, of course, uh, Peyton Royce and uh, Billy Kay, which were the underdogs for sure going into this match. So much that we mentioned that we wouldn't mind them winning the match, of course, but there was just no way that was going to happen, especially when you have the current champions, uh, Sasha and Bailey, you have the destructive force that is Tamina and Nia, and you have a returning Beth Phoenix with Natalia, whose father has recently passed away. Who do you think is least likely to win a Four Corners tag team match for tag team gold, baby? The Iconics. But 
But, much like everyone who took a ring from Sauron, we were all of us deceived, Darren. Oh my god. <laughs> the only wrestling podcast that talks about Lord of the Rings lore. <laughs> lore of the Rings? The Wrestling Rings. Oh, we did it! We did it! Thank you, folks. Thank you very much. Yeah, for, for all your real uh, Tolkien deep cuts, just come to a pro wrestling podcast. <laughs> no, the Iconics had no business winning this match, although we both wanted it. Neither of us picked it. I picked Bailey and Sasha to retain, and you picked not the Divas of Doom to win. And yet, the Iconics do win! Yeah. And, and I'm totally okay with being wrong because this is the kind of wrong I like to be. Because hell yes, Iconics win. Love the Peyton Royce. Love the Billy Kay. And together, they most definitely are. Strike a pose. Iconic. It was a very, it was a very WrestleMania moment too, which you couldn't have had, you know, with, with any other combination of those uh, of those women. Um, just because the Iconics have, haven't really achieved anything as far as like championships, and to have it, you know, happen. And it's it's such a new belt of the second ever you know women's tag team champions. Um, obviously, the belt had the belts haven't been around that long, but still, to win the belts at WrestleMania that had to be a pretty big deal for them. So kudos to them; they do good oh, work. Absolutely, uh, it, it'd just be interesting to see like what happens from here with the with that uh, that whole story. And so they have cemented their legacy, and that's wonderful, and that's great. But I hope that it doesn't stall. I hope that actually goes somewhere and that it lasts for a little while. And even if it stutters and even if there are some fault steps, that their trajectory is generally a good one. Um, I will say one thing that's funny is usually when you can't understand uh, a non-American wrestler, it's because their accent is too thick. No, these girls have thick Australian accents. It's the pitch of their voice yeah. that is almost makes it indecipherable. I don't know if my bad ears just have a hard time understanding uh, that pitch or what, but sometimes I just hear like Charlie Brown's teacher talking, <laughs> talking because it's so it's like on another wavelength. I feel like dogs probably hate. When the iconics talk, I they were talking, and I thought I thought birds were uh, fighting outside my window. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I that's what I actually love about the iconics is the communication during matches. You can hear them talking to each other, and it's very like like sensical. I mean, it's nonsensical because you can't always decipher what they're saying, but it's sensical that they would be that talkative during a match in a tag team situation, whereas you never actually hear the other tag teams speak to each other. You constantly hear the iconic speaking. Hashtag if wrestling were real. Exactly. Precisely. I've always, I've always said that about Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. One of the best things about Kevin Owens is that the talking he does to his opponent, to the referee, and to the crowd, it's like... No, people don't do that enough. It's like it's but like people, I, yeah. It's like people backstage interviewers who just shut down after interviews, and it's like, no, you'd probably respond somehow. Which again, something that uh, Renee Young does so well. She acts like a, a human being when she talks right. to other human beings. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, I love that about Kevin Owens, and I like that about the Iconics too. Uh, next up on the card is the WWE Championship. Daniel Bryan 
He's the champion of the planet. And with Rowan, uh, don't call him Eric, by his side, um, wrestling's own little two-piece Nirvana come out to face Kofi Kingston and his three-ring circus, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, the New Day, which have been clown shoes from the very beginning, do come out as Kofi tries to take that championship away from Daniel Bryan and culminate Kofi mania and the weekend that was, I mean, good God, the support that Kofi Kingston has got. And I swear I'm probably going to be very unpopular before we move on to the next match. But uh, your thoughts. Uh, wow. If, if that's even possible, Darren, for you to be unpopular. Uh, I um, This match going on in the middle was a huge mistake. Because this is the match that the WWE Universe is most emotionally involved in at this point. So they kind of blew their load, so to speak, for this match. Especially because it's like, a, oh, one, two, two and a half. Oh, two and three quarters. You know, pins like, oh, Kofi's so close. Can it be done? Um, kind of a situation. So it's it's not smart that this went on when it did. I understand that you want to distance it between, you know, away from the women's main event because you want people, you don't want people to care more about this than they do that. I get that, but it should have been later because after this match, all the all the steam was just gone from that audience and it got really, really quiet because people were just kind of, they were exhausted. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the match itself is great though. I mean, these are two very good wrestlers. I mean, y- you might not agree with Kofi being in that position, uh, some of you, I know a lot of you are very much for it. I know Darren's not so much for it, and and I I question it. it this whole thing grew organically, so I I don't I don't fight it anymore because it was a good it was good WrestleMania fodder. I will say that um, because people did give a shit, and that's so rare uh, these days in WWE matches. So for for those reasons, I was like into it and I was fine with it. And like I said, the match was was very good. Um, and it ends the way it should have ended, you know, Kofi Kingston going over on Daniel Bryan, becoming the new, uh, champion. Um, and he honestly, he could have lost it the next night and it would have been fine because he was champion. I'm not saying that should have, that should have been what happened, but I'm saying it's in the record books. It happened. It happened at WrestleMania. So like no one can be upset about that. If you were for Kofi, that is, but Darren now tell us why everyone's going to hate you. I know, you, I know, listeners, you can't see my face right now, but I have a very serious face right now. Um, even though there's a little bit of a chuckle in my voice, um, I'm not even going to get into just how much I don't like this. Um, <laughs> wow. And I'm really not because oh, this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And I am going to call it right down the middle, meaning I'm going to share my opinion, which I don't consider biased. I consider it well-informed, uh, very knowledgeable, very passionate, and very fair, um, if I do say so myself. I would say the same for my broadcast partner here, Perry Smith. Yo! Uh, we uh, have no dog in the fight. We are lifelong fans. We are avid viewers we are analysts we are journalists um and we we do this purely out of how much we love 
what we're watching. We're not here to tear it down. We're not here to expose it. We're not here to rub anyone's nose in it or laugh at it. Um, we're here to discuss it in almost an academic form, a fun forum, but we discuss it in, a, in, a, in a, what we consider a non-biased, almost academic forum. That being said, um, the one thing I will agree with you, Perry, is this is great WrestleMania moment fodder. Um, it caters to uh, the, uh, the average fan, both the, uh, the smart and the non-smart fan, um, in that way that it's rare for WWE to do it. So I guess I do kind of tip my cap to that, which is giving the fans exactly what they wanted. Um, but you got to watch out because if you give your child chocolate cake for breakfast every morning, um, it's not going to end well. So um, I think that that's, I just think that this is, is kind of, uh, it's just kind of, it's not going to be, it's not going to uh, age well. I don't think it's going to age well. Um, it's going to go back to looking like a like st like a stunt. A few years from now, it's going to look like a stunt if it's remembered at all. Um, it's a fluke that Kingston uh, wound up in this spot, and I'm not blaming Kofi. You you should never blame, and I'm not. Uh, you should never blame the recipient of a windfall of good luck. Uh, Kofi didn't book this. Vince McMahon and WWE booked it. So congratulations to Kofi Kingston, but not congratulations to me and the particular type of fan of wrestling that I am. Uh, Daniel Bryan as a heel is not working for me. I'm not saying I want Daniel to be squeaky clean, baby face, um, fighting from underneath like he was five years earlier in New Orleans. But I am of the opinion that Daniel Bryan this time around with a second lease on his career needs to be the old, 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 old Daniel Bryan and not the new Daniel Bryan. This new uh, second or second version of Daniel Bryan needs to be the original version. He needs to be a fighter. And that fighter would have never lost this match. Not to, uh, not to Kofi Kingston, not in 2019. So I'm unhappy with this match all the way around uh, in terms of booking and in terms of the grand story. I'll, I'll stop there and say, again, congratulations to Kofi Kingston. Congratulations to that man, the man behind the character. Um, the pay bump, the recognition, the, the global uh, appreciation that he receives, that's amazing. I can only wish for that kind of happiness for all people. So good for him. Um, but I, I, I'm just not a, not a fan. Sure, sure. That's fine. I mean, no one could blame Kofi Kingston for answering the door when opportunity knocked. But again, it's, it's just funny to think this all came out of Kofi being a replacement for an injured Mustafa Ali, who also should not have been in the situation to begin with. Um, so everything about this is very odd how it kind of happened. Like, 
literally all the planets align perfectly for Kofi Kingston to be champion as he is now. Um, so eh, it is what it is. Uh, we both said Kofi would win. He did. Uh, he needed to because that's how the story was going. Uh, it had to happen. The fans wouldn't be happy until it did. And uh, everyone everyone got their wish who wished for that. Uh, so with that, like I said, the gas, that audience is out of gas, man. <laughs> because following this, uh, we get... The match we didn't think we were going to get. And that's the United States Championship match. It turns out Rey Mysterio was able to fight. Was uh, he, regardless. though? Was he, though? Well, You call that a fight? You call that a match? He was able to make his entrance. Okay. Um, okay. He was able to perform to a certain extent against the champion, Samoa Joe. Speaking of uh, Rey Mysterio's entrance, Darren, did you happen to catch what he was wearing? Uh, yeah, I popped like a balloon the moment he uh, was visible to mine eyes. Uh, mine eyes have seen the glory uh, of the coming of Rey Mysterio as Mysterio. And I stood up. I mean, uh, I stood up off of my couch and applauded. And uh, then I patted myself on the back like Barry Horowitz. Uh, <laughs> and then I gave myself a self high five like Diamond Dallas Page. And uh, I thanked myself because, yes, thank you, Rey Mysterio. That's all I wanted. All my WrestleMania dreams came true when you came out dressed as Mysterio. Yeah, like I said, Barry Horowitz, the patting on the back, uh, self high five, DDP, and congratulated yourself. Uh, you could have just said you were Stephanie McMahon, uh, who does all those things. <laughs> <laughs> who does all those things simultaneously. Um, so yeah, this is a non-match just for both of them to show up and get a WrestleMania payday because no sooner is Samoa Joe hitting the ring than he is hitting Rey Mysterio and uh, taking Mysterio out. Uh, and this match is about 20 seconds, if that long. Uh, Joe comes in, squashes Mysterio, and, and he leaves with the belt, which uh, I'm, I'm sure Mysterio is not 100%. Uh, it's, it's funny that we made the we actually made the statement that WWE won't let you wrestle if you are confirmed injured. But I think that actually happened here where they were like, all right, just tape it and get in there and get, get in to take a fall. <laughs> and that's going to be it. Um, you should have just replaced Mysterio with someone else and actually had like a five minute match, but whatever. I'm sure the fans weren't too unhappy considering, you know, they still had a lot of wrestling left to go. So anyway, we didn't pick because we didn't think the match was going to happen. I would have picked Samoa Joe to retain though, by the way, uh, asterisk as, as, as we say. Um, so I win this. Thank you very much. And I'll get my trophy. No. I'll get my trophy when it's made. Uh, that's that. So moving on. No, this one has to be a no contest for the purposes of head-to-head. Head-to-head. But moving on, our next match is the 12th match of the night, and it is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Now, I bet Vince McMahon wishes this were the main event of WrestleMania, right? Well, I said before, uh, it may have been last week, but I know I've said it uh, before at some point, like, had Reigns, it's probably back when Reigns still had the title, I mean, short-lived as that was, um, I thought McIntyre was actually a worthy opponent, like a worthy threat uh, uh, for uh, Reigns' title belt, but um, here it is happening, no belt in the line, it's kind of a, a, I mean, it just gives both these guys something to do, but kind of a waste, because I felt like this could have been something, right? But the match is, sure. the match is just too 
two big big ogres fighting because that's what they are. Uh, McIntyre is a very talented wrestler. Roman Reigns, you know, not as talented as far as like you know the actual wrestling. Um, but I, I take nothing away from the man. He is what he is. Um, but this match was just fine. Nothing spectacular. Yeah. Uh, we both picked Roman Reigns to win. He does win. And uh, the battle of McMahon's favorites uh, goes with the, his latest project, which is Roman Reigns. And I think as long as Roman Reigns stays healthy, he's probably still the man of the future. It's it probably won't be Seth Rollins when this uh, halfway through the next. I was about to say when this decade ends, but this decade is is ending this year. Um, I would say by the middle of next decade, we're gonna look back and it's it's gonna have been all Roman Reigns and not all Seth Rollins. So um, as long as it's not just all Brock Lesnar, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Roman Reigns is victorious on the night, and uh, that leads us to a retirement match or a potential retirement match as the COO of the WWE and executive vice president of talent or something, 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 and uh, the grandfather or the godfather. Let's say the godfather of NXT. Um, I'm just trying to, to come up with as many nicknames as I can. To add to King of Kings, the game, the Cerebral Assassin. Sure. Of course, we're talking about Triple H. Paul Levesque, husband of Stephanie McMahon, son-in-law of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and an ubiquitous presence on WWE programming. And, of course, he cannot let WrestleMania go by without taking his suit off and rolling around in his undies in front of 80-plus thousand people. And uh, he's got Daiquiri Dave Batista standing across the ring from him, barely standing, uh, almost falling. And uh, <laughs> Daiquiri Dave and, uh, his, and his nose ring make their way to the ring in East Rutherford, New Jersey, to face Triple H in what is billed as, if Triple H loses, his career in the ring is over. And... I enjoyed this match. Oh, I did not enjoy this match at all. Uh, we, we, had the, we, I don't know. You and I had different expectations. We, I guess, we had different uh, things we wanted to get out of the show. But, but tell me why you didn't like it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, first of all, I'm watching Batista and Triple H fight, and it's. Uh, I'm wondering what decade oh. it is. Um, but uh, once you get over that. It should have been a wrestling match first and then become like a what can I grab and hit you with uh, ordeal. Um, I thought they kind of, uh, again, I'll say this, kind of like blew their wad before, uh, you know, the halfway point of the match. Because all the all the, the biggest spots basically happened more or less before the middle point of the match. Uh, the tearing out the nose ring, uh, which didn't work well on camera because obviously he just held his nose and Triple H pulled out a nose ring out of his tights or whatever. And Batista <laughs> rolled away and pulled out his real nose ring. Anyway, um, wrestling's not real folks. Uh, anyway, uh, so the actual wrestling, unless you're Jeff Hardy. Oh, then yes, that, that, that's very real. Um, no. So the actual match itself wasn't great. Obviously a lot of ring rust for Batista. Um, the fans are not into this match at all. Again, no big pops, like no, no, 
nothing. The fans are giving them nothing because they're basically exhausted. They're spent already. Um, there's the, the, the table spots or, I don't know, again, because the fans aren't reacting, I'm not really into it. And the match just kind of ends with Triple H winning. And Batista announced his retirement officially. And it's kind of like, we kind of thought you were retired anyway, bud. So, <laughs> so I really wasn't invested in this at all. I love the buildup going into it. But the actual execution uh, left a lot to be desired for me. Uh, that's fair. I just, uh, it was entertaining to me. Um, it was entertaining seeing... Batista and Triple H, the feud is believable. Like we were saying about the Iconics uh, uh, interaction in the ring. and the, it's, it's the little differences. And Batista and Triple H, you know, even though we're in the Twitter age and, you know, Batista's very angry uh, until he gets his iPhone in his hands and then... I love the WWE universe. Yay. Right. Five, minute, five minutes after being out there going, give me what I want. I hate you. I'll beat up the 70-year-old Ric Flair. <laughs> you know, that that's a little incongruous and a little bit grown-worthy uh, in this era of wrestling. But in the ring, like the whole time he's on camera, Batista's uh, in character, and I like that. It looked... You know, he, he's not out there playing grab dick with Triple H. He's actually looks like he's having a fight. Oh, sure. All the presentation leading up to the actual match, like I said, was very well done. And all the reasons were there. And it was something we haven't, we've seen before, but we haven't, like, seen in a very long time. Um, but the actual, like I said, the wrestling <laughs> wasn't there. The, the sledgehammer, you know, spots were kind of, we've seen this a thousand times, you know what I mean? Like, so there wasn't a whole lot, there wasn't a whole lot new once the actual bell rang. Uh, so, yeah, just wasn't into it. Regardless of how either of us felt or feel, Triple H does win the match. Uh, Dave Batista does officially retire on Twitter. Triple H is not forced to retire, kayfabe or else, uh, or any other way. And so we can look forward to seeing Triple H uh, next year at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. Yes, look forward to. Uh, yeah, it, it's a situation of, like, why would you put talent over someone else? Like, what does it matter if Batista wins? What does it matter if Triple H wins? Um, which is kind of confusing uh, in a lot of situations on WrestleMania, especially when you have Elias come out. Speaking of confusing. Uh, and he plays uh, a song with himself, uh, with, with two other himselves, because uh, you want this big 15-minute-long thing, which goes nowhere, uh, to exist on a card that's already very much oversaturated with things going on. So Elias comes out and does his bit, which is usually pretty entertaining, but this time it d they definitely missed the mark on what they were trying to accomplish, only to have John Cena, a.k.a. the Doctor of Thugonomics, come out, and just rip Elias, a new asshole, and bury Elias, and Elias gets zero heat back, and he leaves. And it was like, are you trying to push Elias, or <laughs> push him off a cliff? What are you trying to do here? <laughs> yeah, I love Cena even says that he's like the, the, the barrier with a golden shovel or something like that, referencing yeah, the yeah. fact that people think he buries talent. And then proceeds to literally bury talent. Um, so it was very... Uh, what's happening? 
I liked the the spontaneous nature of the segment, though. Um, when the screen comes on, um, you know, you had to expect that it was either Cena or the Undertaker. Um, you also, uh, you know, because I don't know. I guess it reminded me of that like electricity that was in the air. Uh, at WrestleMania 33, right before the Hardy Boys were introduced. Sure, like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Right. Like a true what's going to happen moment, not, oh, what's going to happen? Of course, it's Baron Corbin. No, I got to say, and we, we talked about that before, uh, that moment when all the tag teams came out at WrestleMania 33, and again, Darren and I, we were there, um, that moment when the, the New Day, which is hosting WrestleMania 33, their music hits, after everyone's in the ring, and it's like, we've got one more tag team, and everyone just knew. Like, oh man, oh man, it's the fucking Hardy Boys, and sure enough, it was. Uh, that was, that place, that place erupted. That was insane. Oh, man. That wasn't, like, and electricity is the perfect word for it, because I've never been in an audience that was that, like, that much anticipation was built up and then delivered. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh man, who's going to be in the Rumble? Probably Kenny Omega. Probably Raven in his prime. But I digress, Darren. Ah! <laughs> so yes, as, as you were saying, as you were saying, there was electricity, there was anticipation for sure. Who was going to come out and beat up on Elias? Yeah, and I, I again, I popped hard at my house. Like, I was looking at the screen, not knowing what I was looking at. The Babe Ruth segment... I get it. It went on too long. Oh my god. <laughs> it went on too long. The video was too long. But when those violins hit, and I was like, wait a minute. John Cena's first music? And then he came out as the Doctor of Thugonomics, um, which just is Mark Wahlberg, um, by the way. Sure. Uh, I... I was very pleased. I I absolutely, if, if you'd looked at me, I would have probably been grinning from ear to ear the entire time. I am not some huge John Cena fan, but that was cool. That was a good segment. Sure. I, I could take it or leave it, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, the uh, we're, we're only three matches left to go, if you can believe that. And Kurt Angle... Only zero matches left to go. This is his <laughs> final match. That was one hell of a segue. Go ahead. <laughs> it is the final match for the Olympic gold medal winning uh, Kurt Angle, former WWF champion, WWE champion. He has he's had many titles, yes. And uh, they, man, they went through. They have, they went through with it, fighting Baron Corbin in this final match. Everyone was so sure it was going to be a bait-and-switch, but nope. Uh, and not only is it not a bait-and-switch, Corbin wins. Now, at the moment the angle took the fall, the crowd went. The crowd was so upset. And I thought to myself, I'm, I thought to myself, self, I, I, I too am upset. But also self-high-five because <laughs> I, I made the correct pick. But also a nice handshake to Kurt Angle because he did do the right thing. 
I'm not saying every tradition ever in the world should always be uh, respected. I'm certainly not saying some of the backward ass traditions in pro wrestling should always be uh, respected and upheld. But I do like this one. Go out looking at the lights, you know? Sure, doing, and, uh, doing the favors and doing the honors. Yeah, yeah but for, for Baron Corbin, though. No, Darren, no. Probably what should have happened, I think. I think fans would have been a lot happier had, you know, Corbin went over on, on Angle because that's what he would have wanted, I guess. But then, like, you know, the lights go out. And Taker shows up and choke slams and tombstones Corbin and just pins him. It's just a match for no reason. But that way, like <laughs> <laughs> that way, Corbin wins. But does he? But if you do that, you take away you take away from Kurt Angle saying goodbye. So I understand why you wouldn't do that. So, uh, but it is a tearful goodbye for uh, Kurt Angle. It's it's all these goodbyes. Goodbye for Kurt Angle. Goodbye for the Shield. Goodbye for Dean Ambrose. But everyone keeps showing up again the next week, and it's just like. I feel like we've been saying goodbye to the Shield and Dean Ambrose for like a year now, but okay. Oh yeah, no, Kurt Angle's about there the next night doing it all over again, and it's like, okay. And there's also the news that Kurt Angle just re-signed a new contract, yeah, so yeah, yeah. maybe he's not going to wrestle, but he's not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> but the, still, that should not take away from the fact that if. Kurt Angle believes in his head and in his heart that was the last time he's ever going to wrestle, then hell yeah, that's an emotional moment. Um, even if he's on every single Raw for the next two years, he's not wrestling. Sure. So farewell to Kurt Angle, the wrestler. Uh, you had one hell, one hell of a career. All right. Only two matches left to go. It is the next to last match of the evening. The penultimate match, if you will. The Intercontinental Champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley, with Leo Rush, takes on the demon, Finn Balor. And uh, Bobby Lashley, if he's going to be a heel, he needs to be this version. He needs to be mean-mugging to death. He needs to keep those contact lenses in. Keep your... your logo less baseball caps at home <laughs> right right and stop smiling i liked this version of bobby lashley the way he looked on that mocked up uh royal rumble cover they did recently where he's wearing like long pants and like a vest and like the the headband i was like why can't he wear that all the time he never wears that but why can't he wear that all the time like it just looks so cool that there's there's so Lashley is huge, right? And he he's a good wrestler. There's so many little tweaks you could make to make him like someone that you really look forward to watching on your TV screens every week. Um, but they just won't. He's just so he he he's not great at the microphone. You know, he's he's kind of bland in appearance. He just wears the black underwear. You know, and any anyone who does that who isn't like Goldberg or Steve Austin, it's kind of like there's not a whole lot to you, is there? Um, so again, and Leo Rush is so tiny compared to him. I look at Leo Rush more as like an extension of Bobby Lashley than a regular person. Um, <laughs> um, if that makes any sense, I think you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, it does. Sure. Uh, and this match, uh, I'm very surprised the Intercontinental match went on second to last at WrestleMania. Um, but it, it, I don't know who made that call, but it certainly did happen. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Lashley with his belt against uh, Finn Balor. Not only Finn Balor, but the Demon King Finn Balor. Um, and uh, this match, we've seen it a couple times, so nothing special there. But it ends the way I guess it should be, ending with uh, Finn Balor, the Demon King, victorious at WrestleMania. Uh, it's not a very long match. doesn't need to be, because again, we've seen the story several times. Um, and uh, that's it. That's all she wrote, basically. What do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we both picked Balor to win, so sure. we both get a check in that column. Hey. And I don't know. This this might have been the weakest performance of The Demon uh, that I've ever seen. Um, but one of the strongest uh, gimmicky looks for Lashley. So I, I think Lashley needs to pull this out. And I'll, I think the, the weird thing is the scowl and the contacts on Lashley – it almost makes him like Terminator like. I thought he was like a it, White Walker. Yeah, it makes him kind of non-human, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, was he like the the Demon King Hunter, much like uh, Seth Rollins was like the Beast Slayer? Oh, hey, there you go. And if he's if you're gonna have him not talk and have him have a mouthpiece in Leo Rush, then have him not talk because Lashley smiling and talking is like Mike Tyson smiling and talking in 1989. No, absolutely. Don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lashley seems like a genuinely nice person, which doesn't work if you want everyone to hate you. So that's always been the criticism with Lashley. So, Perry, hashtag dear listeners, it is time for your WrestleMania 35 main event. The Raw Women's Champion, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, your SmackDown Live Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, and the man, Becky Lynch, in a triple threat match. Winner takes all. Main event, WWE Women's Championship, WrestleMania 35. Harry, uh, we got a couple of pretty outrageous entrances here. Uh, we get Ronda Rousey played to the ring. By Joan Jett, which is pretty damn cool. It is. A very confused Joan Jett because people are very lukewarm on Ronda Rousey. So I'm sure, I'm sure she's not used to playing her biggest hit song and people not cheering immediately. Because her song ends and Ronda Rousey is in the ring and people are giving Ronda Rousey the typical mixed reaction. But Joan Jett's kind of like, where's my, what's happening? <laughs> did, I, did I get the words wrong? Um, so that, that was kind of, you could tell she was kind of confused that no one cheered. Did I fart? <laughs> <laughs> did my, did my farting mic pick up my fart? <laughs> That's what you get for wearing a farting mic. Well, she should have thought um, that through. Now, Charlotte, they fly her in on a helicopter. Like, well, so why? Where was she? <laughs> <laughs> why did she have to be? I thought probably all the wrestlers probably have like a 9 or 10 a.m. call time. Sure. Where is she? Where, where is Charlotte all day right. and all night? No, no. What, what kind of John Hughes-esque situation has Charlotte gone through that day to get there at the very last second? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I like that. Okay. Well, that's for you. That's a good joke. I like it. Uh, <laughs> and Becky comes to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because Rhonda and Charlotte had such grandiose entrances, the fact that Becky had just kind of walked to the ring uh, was kind of like, okay, no frills. I can dig that. But at the same time, it's like, man, they really didn't. But like, what, what was she supposed to do on the way to the ring? You know, she's Becky Lynch. She's supposed to be no frills, but I don't know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, at this point in time, her entrance was exactly what it should be. Just give me some music. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk to the ring. I'm here. I'm a last kicker. I'm the man. I'm I'm here to do a job. I'm not here to do the job. Right. And uh, so so here I am. She should have came out with some of those Jabberwocky uh, folk and. That would have been that would have been terrible. That would have been very confusing. I'm glad that didn't happen. So we have a we have the very first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. Uh, winner take all the SmackDown Championship, which is currently around the waist at this time, currently around the waist of Charlotte Flair, and the Raw Women's Championship around the waist of Ronda Rousey, who is also undefeated, mind you. Um, so it's a big deal for Becky Lynch. She has a lot to prove. They all have a lot to prove to each other. But Becky has the most to uh, prove because she does not have any gold. And uh, she she needs to put up or shut up at this point. So a lot of build up for this match. Obviously, it's the marquee match. It is the main event of WrestleMania, which is the marquee event in the WWE calendar year. And really the marquee event in all of wrestling, like it or not. It just, it just is. Um, the match itself doesn't deliver. For me... Uh, the first half was great. I, I really liked the momentum. And like I said, even though the crowd was kind of lackluster at that point, um, I thought the match was, go- was going really well. It was really well booked. And then middle to end, things start going kind of wrong. Uh, what do you think, Darren? I was, I was kind of into it the whole time. Okay. Uh, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong in saying what you said. But I have no problems with this match. I thought it was a little short, I guess. If I if I had to levy a hard criticism, that's about as hard as I'll be on this match. It was a little too short. Now, we would find out later it was too short because that was not the intended finish. Right. Uh, the finish was botched. Therefore, it was short because the story was not finished being told. But as it stands and as it is cemented in history, frozen in time... A, an, an unchangeable legacy. It's there on the network for all to see. Um, uh, I like it. I really do like it. Um, uh, Becky wins the match. She does. She does. Rolling up Ronda Rousey, uh, yeah. whose shoulders were not totally down. Were not totally down. For it to end with controversy and the commentators also pointing it out. Um, it's, it's, the ending is, you can tell it's very much, uh, seat of their pants and very last minute to where like, you have all this build up. This is the main event of WrestleMania. It can't get any bigger than the grandest stage of the mall main event. And it ends in controversy. I thought that was a horrible decision. Uh, so I, I, I don't agree with that. I know a lot of people don't agree with that. I think it just deserved a clean finish of Becky going over. I do too. I do too. I think it should. I mean, it should have ended with like Ronda and Charlotte both laid out, and Becky just has to pin one of them, and it comes down to who is she going to pin. 
and she just chooses Charlotte because that's that's to me that's that's the story. I mean, forget that's the story. Charlotte and and Becky, you know, Ron just got kind of rolled into it. She got kind of snowballed into the whole thing. So she just kind of picks who to like actually make lose the match. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That that that's me. But it it ended the way it did. And when they look back on the history books, it'll just say Becky Lynch won the match, like you said. So that's that. That needed to happen. And it did happen. So your new SmackDown Live and Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, uh, for better or for worse. I think everyone's pretty happy with that outcome, just not the actual outcome of the match itself. Yeah, and I will say this. In defense of the botched ending and the were the shoulders quite down, et cetera, et cetera, I have to err on the side of hashtag if wrestling were real. Um if it looks a little sloppy, if it looks like it might be botched, if it looks like it's not going according to plan, but you still get the desired ending, then I'm kind of for that. The less scripted, the less predictable, the better. And if if the Ronda thing is controversial at a glance, but then the controversy doesn't linger, then again... That's kind of a good thing. It's like people getting really, 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 really mad on a Sunday when an NFL official makes a bad call. And even with the review process now, they uphold the penalty flag or the or, or even worse, the non-call. And people bitch about it and bitch about it for several weeks. And then they kind of forget about it. And somebody may bring it up in the offseason, but it's not. It's not the whole story. And in that way, I like that that's the end. Because it's sort of like, wow, Becky pulled this one out. Right. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's kind of no different. A referee not seeing that the pin was improperly executed is equivalent to the ref having his back turned and the, the, you know, the... The opponent being cracked over the head with a title belt and then it being thrown out of the ring and wrapped up. It kind of Absolutely. is it kind of is the same thing. It's just a wrestler taking advantage of a situation. So I'm with you on that. That kind of makes things a little bit better for me. So I'm glad you said that. You calm me down. You calm me down. Well good, well good. I might rile you up a little bit here. Oh, here um, we go. Here we go. You know Kofi You know Kofi really needs to go away, is what you're gonna say. Yeah. Uh it's time for the results of our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Uh, I know I did poorly on this one. Well, Perry, your picks are eight correct. Hey! Seven incorrect. Ooh. <laughs> and then the one no contest, which is what we're calling the Samoa Joe Mysterio, since we did not pick it. Which I would have picked Samoa Joe again, so nine and seven. I'll take that. That's fine. And I win. I win this head-to-head. Head-to-head. For WrestleMania 35. Because my picks were 10 correct, 5 incorrect, and 1 no contest. Well, congratulations, Darren. Well done. Uh, we both did horribly, by the way. Uh, but it's it's hard to... Uh, <laughs> a car with this many matches and this many... Opponents in every match, uh, it's obviously very hard to pick. And you never know what tomorrow will bring, especially with basically the end of WrestleMania is the end of the season, as they say. So who knows what the next season will bring, Darren. Could be good things. 
it could be all kinds of crazy things. And some of it's already happened. Some craziness has already happened. And dear listeners, again, next week we're going to bring to you uh, some discussions of things that happened outside of the world of WWE over the WrestleMania week, uh, including New Japan, Ring of Honor, Indie Wrestling, uh, everything that smothered and covered uh, New York City and the surrounding areas during WrestleMania week. We will also be talking about the news from Raw and SmackDown after Mania, and we'll be talking about the Hall of Fame uh, if for only the attack on Bret Hart. We will definitely be making mention of that uh, and sharing our thoughts with you. But that's next week, because this episode is rapidly coming to a close, isn't it, Perry? That's right. We wanted to keep it away from that three-hour mark. <laughs> we know last week was a lot to digest. Uh, that's the world of wrestling, baby. It's feast and famine for your ears, for your auditory lobe. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, did you enjoy WrestleMania? Did you enjoy NXT TakeOver New York? Let us know. A lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. Send us an email if you want to. The whole Refn Show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or... Or we are always ready, willing, and able on Instagram. Hashtag us, at tag us, like us, and share your pictures. Instagram is such a fun playground. Come play with us. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. With that, we're going to leave you until next week. Until then, my name is Perry Smith. And I am the incredible badass. That is Darren Beasley. And we do thank you for joining us here on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Reffin Show. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much, folks. So long. Shane McMahon. Welcome to Jackass.